We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March Madness has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that big tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. Yo, actually in Vegas, uh, the Pac-12 Conference Championship, I believe San Diego State was staying at the MGM Grand. It was pretty cool. And remember, the NBA and, and XFL are still going on strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Ever wonder why traditional button-downs look so long and baggy? That's because they were not meant to be worn that way. Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, their shirts are the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. Try Untuck It for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the United States. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, baby. Today, we are doing a fight weekend, Las Vegas, Nevada, road trip recap. We were out in Vegas for UFC 248. 
A lot of really dope shit went down, and you'll hear all about it. Kicking us off, my guy Alex Perez. Alex Perez does the VMFC YouTube show for Veterans Minimum, talking some soccer on there. But he is also a videographer and does the graphics on the social medias for VM. And he came out to Vegas with me, met me out there, and we shot a bunch of content while we were out there. Sort of played cameraman in this situation. And I got him a ticket for UFC 248. And we talk a little bit about that. His first time out in Vegas, linking up with me for the first time. Just wanted to show him love and appreciation for all the hard work that he's been doing behind the scenes for VM. And it was cool. Nice, short 15 to 20 minute conversation on that. And then I am joined by my guy, senior editor of Combat Sports at Sporting News and The Zone USA, curator of culture and the co-host of The Corner Podcast, my guy Andreas Hale. Couldn't have been a nicer dude. Anyone that knew him that I mentioned his name, they just put him over to use a wrestling term. And we talk a lot of we, we talk about a lot of dope shit on that one, man. You're going to see a side of me that you guys haven't seen before. We dive into politics a little bit. Not so much politics. We don't pick sides, but we're just saying about what the state of social media is like in this country. The the race, the racism that we see on social media, how a lady couldn't believe that I wanted Deontay Wilder to win. He was out there covering the fight. He covers many, many fights. And we talk about him living out in Vegas, moving out to Vegas, how he got started in the game and whatnot. You guys know, podcast and chill vibes as always. And it was cool, man. It was a really cool conversation. And like I said, I want to give him a shout out because he couldn't have been nicer to me that whole weekend. Uh, blowing up his phone a couple times too, but he's the man. And we talk some wrestling for all you marks out there. And then at the end, I kind of just talk about LeBron James and what he did over the weekend. And it's a perfect little segue for how the interview ends with Andreas because I talk about LeBron how he is someone that's in my Mount Rushmore of people that I want to sit down and interview. So, enough about that. Enjoy the show, and I'll catch you guys later. Ah, yes. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Today, recording, looking out into the desert that is Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm joined by a special guest, a guy who you've seen his work, whether it's on VMFC or some of the graphics that are being done behind the scenes. My guy, Alex Perez. Alex, finally linking up with you. What's up, my guy? Dude, it's so surreal having you right here. 
because we've known each other. We've known of each other for a while. And now I even did a podcast with you not too long ago about the Champions League. And now we're here. Like, it's it's awesome, bro. I yeah, love it. Thank yeah, you. I got... um. So, for those of you that might have not known, which I would find impossible if you follow me on social media, and I've been mentioning it in the past couple of episodes, we're out in Vegas right now. We're at the MGM, and uh, it's Sunday afternoon. We're about to get on a flight to go back home. Alex is from Chicago. First time that we actually linked up, and... We came out here for business, man. I've been out here since Thursday. Alex came in late Friday night. And on behalf of VM and everything that it stands for, I wanted to get Alex to come out here with me and we shot some content. You guys will be, it's going to be flooding the YouTube channel over the next couple of days. But uh, really treated this like a work trip. I know it's your first time in Vegas. Correct. Uh, what are your thoughts on Vegas? Well, first of all, it's a completely different world to where I'm from. Even though Chicago is a city where there's a lot of stuff going on, uh, it's still completely different. You know, you see people drunk as hell at 10 in the morning, you know. Um, He's not talking just, about me, guys. He's not. Talking oh, no, about no, 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 no. Nick is all <laughs> business today. And <laughs> the, the boy was, the I was turned at UFC, though. That's, that's for sure. True. I had to let true. loose, man. I came in, I came in Thursday night. First thing I did was. I was supposed to link up with uh, with someone, and then they just hit me back very late. And at that point, I was like, "Yo, you know what? Stayed at the Cosmo, beautiful hotel. Big fan of the the Cosmo." And I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna go do a spa." Went to a spa. Got I got the whole cucumber nice. look on your eyes, on your eyelids, and it was great. I I definitely needed it because also it's a three hour time difference for me, man. So that first trip. That first night when I come, come, it's uh, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough on the body because then you realize you're like, oh shit, it's eleven o'clock here. But then it crosses your mind that oh shit, it's really two o'clock back home. So your body's still adjusting. So I like to tell people to come into Vegas if you're coming, especially from the East Coast. Like all of my friends and anyone that I know out in New York, when they come out to Vegas, I tell them make sure you at least sacrifice one night. Get there at night one night. Get there like on a Wednesday night. Get there on like a Thursday night. This way, when you wake up in Vegas, you have your whole day. So I had two full days in Vegas. Friday, I went to the official weigh-ins. Shout out to um, Heidi Fang, man. She was super, super dope. She's part of Blue Wire. And she blessed it, man. She blessed it. She did way more than she should have for me. And I'm forever grateful for that. Got to go to the weigh-ins. Uh, got to do a, her podcast for the Las Vegas review journal really big outlet that was really really cool got to meet some fighters and uh a, a big big networking event you know i met uh andreas uh andreas hale he um i've been a big fan of his work for a long time and he's part of blue wire so he lives out in vegas so i got to link up with him a lot of fighters my buddy mike who uh, i've referenced to many times about my SummerSlam trip mm -hmm. got to link up with him and then we went out to the fights and we sat together over there and it sucked because me and Alex weren't sitting together at the fight. I yeah. bought you your, your your ticket also. And uh, I, I took care of Alex, man, because I wanted to show my gratitude for him helping out the brand. So basically, uh, got him a ticket for the UFC. But I should have I kept telling you, I was like, yeah. bro, I should have gave you my ticket because yeah. I didn't even sit in my seat. Yeah, well, I got your text like we were probably like halfway through the prelims or like about to start the main card. You're like, dude, I'm not even in my, the seat that... I had initially bought for myself. And at first, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. 
well that sucks but i'm like you know what it is what it is i'm here and that's what counts i'm in i'm in vegas for a ufc event like what else can i ask for it, it, it was it, it was like this whole weekend has been so surreal yeah, it, it was dope, man. It was a good time. It was a good time. Got to meet yeah. a got to meet a bunch of fighters. I took a picture with Paulo Costa. I'm actually <laughs> on his. I uh, my buddy Josh did a screen recording of me being on his manager's Walib. I think his name is. Yeah, he's like a he's like a psychopath, right? He's like known for being very controversial and shit. Well, yeah, even even the way that he walks around. Yeah, because we were at the sports book. And I didn't even notice. You sent me a text. You're like, dude, Paulo Costa sitting front row. All Yo, he was sitting. He was sitting at the MGM at the sports book by himself, just chilling. And I text Alex, and then I went back because I saw Alex didn't reply to my phone. So I go to like see Alex, and then I walk by Paulo Costa, and I was just like, hey man, big fan of your work. Uh, respect you as a fighter. So I go to shake his hand, and he goes, Corona, Papa, Corona, and he gives me like an elbow. He's like elbow, elbow, and then he stands up. First of all. If you guys haven't seen this dude, would you say his uh, Instagram handle is? Boracina MMA, something like that. But, like, what does that mean? Boracina, I believe it means, like, eraser. Uh Uh-huh. Because in Spanish, we call erasers borrador, borradores. Mm -hmm. And Spanish and Portuguese are very similar. Very similar. So I just put two and two together, and I guess that's what it means. So this guy is just a tank, and he fights at 185, which... I stood next to him. I saw him. Uh, he's. It's impossible that he makes 185. It's absolutely ridiculous. His fist is like the size of my head, and my head is massive. And uh, it was cool. And then his his manager came over, and I like yeah, I was I was hammered. I was hammered. That video is great because I couldn't. I could barely like speak English. I was speaking like mad European. It sounded like, and uh, I didn't know that he put it on his Instagram. But I was just like, yo. I can't wait until you and Stylebender fight. And I'm a I'm a Adesanya guy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah, I can't wait for you guys to like smash each other and you smash this guy. And then like he put it up on his Instagram. So my my friends were having uh a good time at my expense. But it was cool, man. <laughs> Met a bunch of fighters, got to network a lot. And uh it was a good time. It's a fir- it's my f- fifth time in Vegas. 14, 15, 16, 17. Oh no, it's my sixth. I don't know how many times I've been in Vegas. Stayed at the Cosmo one, two. Oh, it's my fifth time. Yeah, it's my fifth time in Vegas. And uh, it's the first time I actually put it on my Instagram. I was talking to my friends how Vegas could be really relaxing if you're not going on a drinking bender every night. Yeah, it can be relaxing because there's so much to do. Yeah. There's literally something to do at all times of the day. So it, it, it's kind of crazy because right here you really don't know what time it is oh no you, you have, no, you idea. have no idea you have no idea what, what time it is and even like in, in the casinos what's what are two things that you can never find a clock and an exit mm-hmm. right so they do a great job of course um but yeah you just don't know what time it is you you, you don't know it you could be thinking oh it's 10 p.m it's five in the morning and you're like oh shit i should uh i'm not gonna sleep i'll just stay up for the for the day you know um it's kind of wild. Again, I'm not used to any of this, but I mean, I can get used to it if I really wanted to. <laughs> I tell people all the time that you need a vacation from Vegas. So like when you go to Vegas, make sure you have a vacation afterwards because it could be very draining. Yeah, it could be, especially if you're going like, man, there's been times that I've been out in Vegas and I do nothing but drink. <laughs> like I, I, I barely even eat, like just drink, just boozing the whole time, just hammered 24 seven. 
It's like, yo, you get exhausted. Your body just shuts down at some point. But, man, it was also my first time in Vegas for a fight weekend, which was really, really dope. My birthday is this week. So I kind of it was a combination of a bunch of things, man. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I really got inspired by Kobe and um, his death really, it really hit me in a weird way because I wasn't the biggest Kobe fan, but just so many things that I've been putting aside. I'm like, yo, I'm not going to do that no more, man. Our our time has already started to tick, right? Our hourglass is going, it's moving, mm-hmm. and we don't know when it ends. Yeah. So... If you're listening to this, go on that trip. Go go to that venue. Go see that performer. Go see that game. Go see that athlete. Man, I even want to go to meet and greets now. Like I want to go and like in the past I used to I used to think it was corny. Like, why am I gonna go pay two hundred dollars to go see this athlete? Like, F that. But it's like, nah, man, you know what? Now I really want to go and meet Stone Cold. I wanna go and do like a WrestleCon or some shit, because I gotta tell him how much I appreciate him and how much he means to me. Like, I think that's dope, like, seeing your heroes. And, you know, a lot of times I talk about it with Mike, uh, my buddy Mike, Lazy the Savage. We were talking about it, how he told me something years ago when I first met him. He's like, man, try not to meet all your – it's better if you don't meet your heroes because they'll disappoint you. And then I remember I literally asked him when I talk about it on the show. That's that's already going to be up on the Patreon, guys. There's about, like, five episodes from the Vegas trip that you guys will be able to hear, Patreon exclusive, for $1 a month. Uh, it's going to a good cause. Like we came out here, we recorded a bunch of content and, um, yeah, we, 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 we talk about that. And I asked him, I asked Mike how, I was like, yo, it's Stone Cold Dope. And he's like, oh, he's the man. I was like, all right, that's all, that's all I really needed to hear, you know? So, so it's not so disappointing. Yeah. It's so just, it's, it's yeah, refreshing. Yeah. But, uh, we shot, we shot a, a bunch of shots too. We took some pictures, did some B-roll. There'll be some stuff on the YouTube channel coming over the next couple of weeks. Really cool. We're going to call it a VM road trip. VM road trip. Because it's, it's going to be the first of many. Um, As far as I go, like I'll be going to, I got some cool spots lined up. But now like with traveling, I want to travel for the show too. Yeah. You know, so I'm looking forward to UFC 249. <sighs> Khabib and Tony, I was at the presser. That was really, really cool. That's going to be in Brooklyn. So if anyone listening to this is planning on going to Brooklyn, holler at me. I should uh, probably be out there. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, and enough, enough about that. Uh, let's let's talk briefly on um, the UFC card. What do you think? Well, first of all, I, I think my my view on this is going to be a little bit skewed because it was my first time at a UFC event. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just incredible you know of course we got to talk about the elephant in the room here the main event how it disappointed people um but can other I, than that can i also defend that main event yeah go ahead as a lifelong wrestling fan uh-huh. there's been many situations in the past where a match goes on before your match and the high and the climax of that prior match sets the bar so high mm. that it's very, very fucking hard to duplicate that. Yeah. Joanna and Wei Li. Yo, forget this greatest women's fight ever. That was just a great fight. Like, that's going to be yeah, just, just a Hall of period. Fame fight. And did you catch how they put that up right after they announced Gustafson and John Jones? Mm-hmm. That fight is going into the Hall yes, of Fame wing of the for the Hall UFC. Fame, yeah. And then just so happens that that next fight is probably going to go in the UFC Hall of Fame also. 
So yeah. I think that main event, yeah, was it was it I don't know if it was boring. I it was definitely weird. It it was yeah. It was a very was, weird I think not a punch was thrown for like the first two and a half minutes and Romero connected that one big shot in the first round and basically won that round because of that. There was there was nothing else. It was a very I don't like to boo. I didn't boo. I was not one of the people there that booed. But I'm not gonna lie to you. I was just confused. It was yeah. a very weird fight, especially with two guys who are very exciting fighters. Yeah. And yeah. Romero seemed to not want to dance. That's what Adesanya said. And then Adesanya put up a good point, man. He said, "You look at the fights that I've had with a dance partner that wanted to bang, Gastelum, fight of the year oh, last year, beautiful. Fight. That's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, Whitaker wanted to exchange with him." Sure, he got pieced up, but that was a good fight for the seven minutes that it lasted. Styles make fights. Sometimes you need guys that want to throw down and bang with you. That's why I think a lot of people are excited for Paulo Costa and not Asanya, which is probably yeah. going to be the next fight. All, all signs pointed at. So going back to what you said about the elephant in the room, I do think that there was such a high coming off the women's fight. Absolutely. And it peaked. We all peaked there. We all were on such a high. And then, you know, you don't see a, a punch the first, like, 20 seconds. And people started booing. And the yeah. tone was set from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I was one of those people, like you, Nick. I didn't boo. I, I don't have the courage to boo a fighter. I, I can boo any athlete. No problem. But a fighter, I can't. I just can't do that. But, but yeah, man, it, it, it was just a very awkward fight. It was really weird. Um, it wasn't weird like when Adesanya and Anderson Silva fought, where it it was strange because of the movements that that they were that they had. But at the same time, it was like, okay, something's gonna happen here. You know, something's gonna happen with these guys. We didn't know it was gonna happen. We were just hoping for it, but it it never came. Uh, Yoel Romero, a very explosive fighter just never never really found an opening i guess if you can say and adesanya i think he played it very smart for whatever reason i find adesanya more likable now after this even though like i'm a big fan of his um but for whatever reason i just i like how he handled himself after the fight he didn't um didn't, you know he he pretty much just said yeah i i won the fight i did what i had to do i wasn't gonna expose my chin to this beast of a human being right get you know absolutely uh, i just get clipped and get stopped and lose my title so all respect to to israel adesanya man i, I have a lot of respect for him you romero it was his last chance that's it he made the weight so that was one of the issues that we um that we were really concerned about he made the weight it looked like things were going right and then the fight actually happened, mm. and you're like, "Dude, you gotta throw something." You know, it doesn't matter if this guy is, and it, it's easy for us to say, of course, but it doesn't matter if he's a counter puncher, and he's just waiting for an opportunity to 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 give you a smack. It doesn't matter, man. Just if you know this is your last chance at a title shot, at a title, and you don't let your hands go, whose problem is it? Yeah. It's not Adesanya's problem. Adesanya fought his fight. Yoel Romero, I mean, he he uh, he attempted a couple takedowns, but nothing decisive. And I hate to use this 
this phrase, but it's it's been said a lot. Um, you have to take the championship from the champion. Mm. You have to, you know, you have to beat the champion decisively to win. And it's just, Romero didn't do anything decisive. You know, he he landed a good left hand in the first round, and then throughout the rounds, he landed a couple good shots. But other than that, man, what like what did you think was Yoel Romero's best action of the fight? Maybe just a couple, like he got he. He like landed a takedown, but Adesanya got right back up, and that's a credit to Adesanya because his takedown defense is incredible. Right, right. I also think that there's been a shift in MMA scoring. I feel like where in the past, <clears throat> if you land a takedown, that was the be all end all. Yeah, but now it's like, yeah, I could take you down three straight times, but if you get up immediately, like that was the big knock on the Jones and Reyes fight. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, John Jones took him down, but Reyes either didn't suffer any damage or got back up. So, sure, a take, and, and it's hard to land the takedown. Don't get me wrong. But you take me down and I get right back up. Like, does it even matter? So, I I enjoyed the card. There were some, some cool, cool moments. Um, you know, Dariush kind of blew the roof off the place with his knockout. That was spectacular. Yeah. And that was a fight that kind of was like, I don't know. Yeah. It seemed, <laughs> it seemed again, go, going back to wrestling and why everything is wrestling. As I talked about it with, with my guy, Andreas, how it seemed like that fight was there because then you had two back-to-back title fights that mm-hmm. were probably going to go to distance. So I don't want to say piss break like fight, like a piss match or whatnot, but it uh he definitely he definitely turned it. That was a good I mean, the last twenty five seconds of, of that fight was crazy because it looked like Darush was about to get finished. Yeah. And then he yeah, comes back, yeah, yeah. knocked the mouthpiece out of him. DC and Joe Rogan, it felt like you could hear him from bugging out. But uh yeah, man, it was cool. I appreciate everyone that supports the show, listens to the show. All the new people over the last couple of weeks with some of the guests that we've gotten. Welcome. Welcome to VM. Uh, for everyone that supports the Patreon page, I appreciate you guys being a key factor into us putting this together. Having Alex fly out to Vegas and meet me here and being able to hang out, staying at the MGM and whatnot. Uh, it was really, really cool. So your money is going to a good cause. Uh, I didn't gamble, believe it or not. I did play DraftKings. I went on DraftKings. Had a free ticket that I had yes, won. Yes, sir. So let's go. <laughs> that was that was really really cool. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't put no bets in, bro. I didn't put no bets in. I just didn't find anything that really got me going. And uh, yeah, that's about <laughs> it. So we'll, as far as I go, you'll hear some more of uh, some of the stuff that we've done in a second. But Alex, tell the people where they can find you, man. Well, like every week, like I say every week, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alex Perez FC. And I don't know if VMFC is coming out this week because um Yeah, you were my, in, yeah, my, yeah. My, my my flight arrives like at twelve my time and then I have to go to sleep and then go to work on Monday. So I don't know if you guys are gonna get VMFC this week, but next week I guarantee that. And um I just gotta say a shout out to Nick Chavez as well. Who, oh word, um, man! Yeah, Nick who, Chavez. He's a member of the Patreon. Who man. we we met here? Cool, cool, cool dude. Uh, very down to earth guy. Awesome, awesome person. Um, 
I had a very interesting conversation. Well, a lot of interesting conversations with him. I'm not going to say what we talked about, but he's just a very interesting dude. We're we're about the same age. Uh, he's a, a year older than me. Um, so, you know, we're we're pretty close in age, and we, we relate in a lot of things. So shout out to him. Thanks for the support. And, dude, he's just cool dude keep doing your thing because i know he's uh he's doing a lot of cool stuff and, and he's doing really good for himself so shout out to him nick shout out to you thank you so much for all of this because i mean with if really if it wasn't for you like i would be home right now <laughs> you know like i, I would have probably watched the the event with my friends which is not bad you know i, I enjoy watching the, the fights with my friends but being here in vegas way more lit it's a it's a completely different story and um just so you know i told you this already before and i'm gonna tell you this with microphones on um whenever you go to chicago just know i'll be your yeah, guide yeah. i'll take you to portillo's you might not know what portillo's is but if there's someone from chicago that's listening right now they're probably geeking out because like oh shit he mentioned portillo's you'll find out eventually but thanks a lot man i appreciate you I think one of my favorite things about doing a podcast, man, is getting to network and meeting people that I'm a fan of their work, a fan of their craft. My guy, Andreas Hall? Hale. Hale. All right. That's something we'll need to work on. <laughs> uh, senior editor of Combat Sports at Sporting News and The Zone, curator of culture, co-host of the Corner Podcast. What is going on, my man? Thank you for uh, joining the program, dude. Doug, appreciate you. Thank you for having me. It's been a busy week, man. Yeah, yeah. You were telling me how you're going like five straight days now of just... No, it's been five weeks. Five weeks. Yeah, That's what it was. From uh, Miami in the Super Bowl. We had the we had a fight in the Super Bowl. And I did Super Bowl coverage. And then after that, I had the Ryan Garcia fight. After that, I had... I can't remember. I think it was the Wilder Fury fight. And then now we're here, and I'm missing a fight somewhere. But yeah, it's been like... Five weeks of travel back and forth, and this is like my last fight. This is UFC 248, and then I get like a week off. And I think coronavirus is going to put everybody on break. Yeah, you were just saying how you were going to go to South by Southwest, yeah. and that just got canceled. Yeah, I mean, I just found out. I was hosting a panel there called uh, Putting Melanated Faces in Non-Melanated Places, which is about diversity in the workplace. And I was excited because I was, I was like, yo, I can't wait to do this. Me and my boy Kaz, Demetra Oberlor, Lauren Brown, who works for EA Sports. And we were excited about doing this, and then we just got the word today, like, it got canceled. So we, we're still going to do it, just don't know when, like, until this situation clears up. Yo, I got in from New York. I flew out of JFK on Thursday, Thursday afternoon. I was telling you a little bit about this. Dude, there was no one at the airport. It's wild. It, it, so I just went, I went to Miami, actually, two weeks before the Super Bowl, and I was sick, because everyone that listens to the show, I love Miami. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my. Amazing. I mean, everything about it. I love Spanish chicks, so that's a plus for me also. But we're down in, in Miami, and, man, it was – it took us, like, 45 minutes to get through TSA. You know, that's, same that's time – crazy. Yeah, my flight was the same time. It was around 2.30 in the afternoon, so it wasn't like I took something super early or super late. And then, dude, yesterday, at most, eight minutes, I couldn't believe it. People wearing gloves, like doctor gloves – people wearing the mask and all that and even my, my flight was empty too and talking to um one of the flight attendants she said that this thing is people are really really scared with all that no, it's like hysteria man because like for me i look at it, it's like it's just the flu that's how i look at it. i'm like right. oh, it's just another strand of the flu relax but over here like i live in vegas and like i went to the store and like people buying hand sanitizer and buying up all the water and toilet paper like it's y2k all over again it's like chill it's not that serious but 
here we are, and it's like now I'm worried. Like, are they gonna cancel WrestleMania? Are they gonna cancel like the next UFC fight? Like, I mean, you know, they just did the press conference today where we're at for Khabib and Tony Ferguson. That fight's been canceled four times already. Coronavirus is gonna be the fifth time you cancel this. Like, it's wild. People are nuts. Yeah, and that that's gonna be in Brooklyn. I I, I grew up in Queens. I still live in New York. And I actually had tickets to the not I don't know I've lost count how many times they've booked that fight. Like you said, this four. This will be the fifth time. So that was the night of when uh, Al Quinta. I he went Al, Al Quinta, yep. yeah. He came in and and that was the main event. I had um I had tickets to that also. I was like, damn, yo, this thing just again constantly. I know um I did a I did a show with with, with Heidi Fang. Shout out to her and. She was like, "No, nope, we're not talking about it. We can't. We can't. We can't talk about that. Is because every time we talk about it, something something goes wrong." But dude, how do you feel about the the outlook of the UFC for like 2020? Like we've had we've had some. You know, Conor came back, right? John Jones already got a fight under his belt. It did seem like last year, since Conor took off, Rousey's not around anymore. John Jones he came back, but you know, some people are like. Man, he's not. He don't have that same, uh, not like the it factor, but he's not really finishing people as much as right. he used to. And some people point to like the, the steroids and stuff not being in him anymore. But how do you feel about how the UFC has set up twenty twenty going forward? Man, it's interesting, man, because you look at the UFC and they've been like really bad at building stars themselves. Like if you look at every star the UFC's had, it's been kind of self made. Like Conor McGregor was self made. Ronda Rousey was like handed to him on a platter. Like right. how could you mess this one up? And now it's like, even John Jones became a star because of everything that happened outside of the octagon. So it's like, the next wave, like Israel Adesanya, mm-hmm. who's fighting, it's like, he's a star, but they're just not good at like, especially right now, where I just had this conversation, is that the UFC has like the most diverse group of champions, mm-hmm. like of every single background, ethnicity, yeah. in the country. Why don't they market that? Like, they don't really mark. Like, you have Wiley Zhang, who's from China. You have Joanna, who's fighting. She's from Poland. You have Henry Sakuto, who's a Mexican. And you have Adesanya, who's from New Zealand. He's Nigerian. It's like you have all these opportunities to market, market these fighters in different markets, and the UFC just doesn't do it. So the outlook is cool. It's hard because ESPN Plus is a paywall, mm. and then you got to buy another paywall behind a paywall. And it's hard to get old people to click on anything. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. so to get people to, to click on something twice and pay their money to watch a fight, it's getting more difficult. So I still love the UFC. I've been covering it for 10 years now. But I don't know, man. They got to do something different. You can't rely on Conor McGregor all the time to get you over. You know, you need, you need other stars. You need to build stars and put them in the right place to succeed. Yo, that's such a good point that you brought up about how it seems like all the stars, sure, you get cupcake fights. Like there's certain fights where, I don't want to say cupcake because all uh, I think when you look at athletes across the board for me, there's no kind of athlete I respect more than fighters. Yeah, combat sports because I just started doing jujitsu for like three months. I never booed a fight anyway. Like I wasn't one to <laughs> boo, but the first dude, my first class, my uh, shout out to my guy Sergio. He's a black belt. He's fought in Bellator. He's like, yo, I'm gonna have you in sign control and try your hardest to get up. Bro, I tried my hardest, couldn't move. And he's like, now imagine if I'm throwing elbows, I'm throwing knees, I'm doing all these, trying to, I was like, damn. (laughs) It's real. Yeah. It's real. People don't like, boxing and MMA are like the two sports that nobody knows a damn thing about, but everybody feels like they know something about. So there's like, have conversations, like real offensive. They'd be like, oh, this fight was boring. 
you know how hard these guys yeah, are working yeah, yeah. and like top control side control like understanding position like people don't get it same thing with boxing when you see um somebody's like oh Deontay's a scrub like Deontay Wilder got knocked out oh man he got exposed he didn't get exposed he just fought a dude that was 6'9 270 pounds who fights like a lightweight like people don't understand the sport so when you go to like UFC shows and then people start wooing and booing Y'all, I get so annoyed because it's like y'all are so uneducated about what's happening out there. You just want to see blood and guts. There's no technique in that. The the best is when the guy's yelling, get up, get up. It's like, yeah, no shit. You think he wants to just be pummeled right now no. for four minutes? Nobody wants to sit there and get beat up, right? Yeah. Like nobody wants to get dragged. And I, and I watch guys and they say, that, oh, he's tired. No shit, he's tired. He's been in, like you go out there and do 25 minutes of fighting. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like 25 minutes of cardio is hard enough for most yeah. people, but you booing somebody fights. Look, don't get me wrong. Some fights are trash, and that's just the way it is. I just don't boo anybody because I ain't getting in there getting my ass kicked, so I'm not going to boo somebody else for doing the same thing. Like, you working hard, I, I respect it. Some guys are better than others. That's just the way it is. I biked. First time I, I did a I did a five-minute round. No no uh, sparring, no, no punches to the head because we weren't wearing headgear. It was like only jabs to the body, live wrestling, live rolling. Dude, a legit five-minute round. What I did for the warm-up was stretch, and we biked for five minutes. And I go into this five-minute round. I cannot express to you how exhausted I was when that finished. And we simulated going and sitting on a stool and then going again. I was like, yo, Serge, I'm, I'm going to throw up. I was yeah. like, I can't do it. And that was just five-minute round, barely striking, barely doing anything wild. And then you see these guys and these girls are doing it for 15, 25 minutes, and then you know, you cross over to boxing, it's these three-minute, 12-round fights. It's yeah. just out of control. Especially man. when guys keep a high pace. Like, you look at that and it's uh, like people go, oh, man, I could do No, you can't. That shit is hard. <laughs> like, that is hard, man. Just the act of moving around and then, like, the adrenaline dump and the energy. And you like – then it's like if you're not looking at the clock, you're like, yo, it's like the longest round ever. You know what I'm saying? It's only like two and a half minutes in. You still got two and a half minutes left. What you going to do? You can't just lay down and get your ass kicked. Yeah. You just got to – Figure it out and deal with it. It's yeah. tough, man. So I want to go back to what you said because I kind of get – that's just how I do my interviews. I kind of – I call it controlled chaos. But you mentioned about how the UFC – I thought it was a hell of a point that you brought up how the guys that have become stars and the girls, they kind of – would you say afterthought is a good word? Or maybe they didn't – you know, it's like the – it's like when – I, I used to play football, right, and I was a quarterback. I'm 5'10", so any room I walked in, no matter what, they would look at the kid that's 6'5", 220, yeah. you know, because you can't teach size. Yeah. So, like, with the UFC, some of these people that they thought were going to be stars, like Sage Northcutt, he had the look. Yeah. They, But they gave him some tough fights, and he kind of fizzled out. And you've seen so many examples of that. So now that I think about it, I think that's a hell of a point that you made about how the guys and girls that become stars, it's like, oh, Shit, when that happened? When did Masvidal might be a bad example, but like, what other sport can you be? Seventeen years in the game, fifteen years in the game, and become a star? Then, right? Like LeBron, he he he's seventeen years in the NBA, but he's been a right. star for forever. fifteen years. Yeah. You know, yeah, forever. But like with Masvidal, it's crazy. Or even Nate, Nate Diaz too. I mean, and that's it's the issue the UFC has had. Like, I'll give you a perfect example: uh, Amanda Nunez, mm. right? So Amanda Nunez goes in there and she washes Misha Tate and becomes champ. Ronda Rousey comes back, and the commercials are all about Ronda. Like yep. you don't even see Amanda in the commercials. Yep. And a vast majority of us figured Amanda was going to beat that ass. Mm -hmm. Like it's just 
Amanda's that good. Yeah. So Amanda goes in there and beats up Ronda Rousey in like ridiculous amount of time. Just took her like 45 seconds to get her out of there. I think you might be generous too. It might Ronda. be. Yeah. She just came in there. She just washed her. And then this is the opportunity to make her a star because not only is like she's Brazilian, um, but you know, she has a girlfriend. Like she, she could represent for the LGBTQ community. Word. Why don't you take that opportunity? But you had it right there. Like you were so invested in Ronda Rousey that you weren't prepared for her to get beat. And you have a star right there. And now, as time progresses, like Amanda keeps winning, keeps winning, then she fights Cyborg. And then she knocks out Cyborg. And now it's too late. Yeah. Because the star making opportunities, you've missed them. So, like, for instance, Nate Diaz was a guy who fans have loved for a long time because he always comes to fight. Win or lose, he always comes to fight. And Dana was like, oh, he doesn't move the needle. And then he fights Connor and beats Connor, and now he's a star. But it's like, in spite of the UFC, he became a star. Like, most of these guys do it without the help of the UFC. You look at a Sage Northcutt, why was Sage Northcutt pushed? He had a certain look mm-hmm. that the UFC felt like catered to a certain demo. Right. You can't, you can't do that. Paige Van Zandt, same thing. That's another one, yeah. They put her out there, it was like, oh, she's going to be a big star, this, that, and the third. She wasn't that good. Meanwhile, you have somebody like Rose Namajunas, who was a thug Rose, had a great angle, had a great story. Like, here, let me ask you this. How many stories do they tell about UFC fighters where you really understand who they are and where they came from? They don't really... Not really, yeah. You know, you you watch the UFC countdown, it's like, I came from this country, and it was really hard, and now I'm getting ready to fight for the champion. I don't give a shit about that. I connect with fighters on personal levels and things that I can relate to. Right. And the UFC are not good storytellers. And on top of that, you don't see UFC fighters being promoted really elsewhere. So it's like, it's either they're fighting or they're not. And there's really, like, nothing in between. They should be doing commercials. They should be on the cover of Muscle and Fitness. Yoel Romero is 42 years old, getting ready to fight for the middleweight title. He's Cuban, but he looks like a super soldier. Why is he on the cover of Muscle and Fitness, giving his workout routine? The UFC is just not good at making stars. They're good at promoting the brand, but not the fighters. Yeah, I remember what you just said now about making stars. Uh, You're also a big wrestling fan like I am. And I remember one time they asked Vince McMahon if he'd ever be interested in doing something with the UFC or buying the UFC. I think it might have been the question. And he said something along those lines of, with wrestling, I could create the star. Yeah. Like, I could give you the storyline. And obviously there's stuff where, like, you know, Kofi Mania, right? Of course. I got, I mean, everyone got behind that. But, again, the storytelling, like you said, on a personal level, as a dude who was grinding for 10-plus years, exactly. 11 years, and then the fans got behind them, similar to what you said about Nate, how we all knew how good Kofi was. We knew how dope Nate was, yeah. but we needed them to see it. And then from there, when they have that moment, beats Connor, Kofi does that gauntlet, which I, I obviously, I know a lot of people say that, but I remember that night just being like, yo, there was something about that that kind of right. just jump-started everything. And then fast forward to Mania, dude, that was the dopest moment of that whole weekend yeah. when, he wins, when he wins the title. And then even with Nate, like, Sure, Nate loses that sick second fight with Connor, but he's still talking shit. He's still talking shit about the judges, and he's still like, I mean, he was just talking shit to to Connor the other day about Connor saying how it's uh, it's my season now. He's like, yo, where's your season at? Dog, listen, the best, the biggest stars are made outside of what they do, right? Like, cause anybody can fight ultimately. Like, cause we look at guys in like boxing and MMA, undefeated records, and like nobody gives a shit mm. because. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, make me care. Like, if you... Ronda was amazing because she was a woman doing this and she was submitting women, like, in, like, 30 seconds. And then it became her shit talking mm. because she was 
I say this all the time. Everything is pro wrestling, man. Oh, yeah. That's a fact. Everything is pro wrestling. Yeah. So it's like, I've been saying this since I was a kid because hip hop, everything is pro wrestling. Because it, once you start talking shit, now everything changes. Now people are intrigued. Like, I want to go see a fight, but I like to see the trash talk before the fight because that's what gets you hyped up for the fight. And if you don't, if you're not doing that, if you're not selling the fight, and I'm not talking about like Henry Cejudo, even though it's working, it's cringe as hell. But <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's it feels for sure. forced, but there are like naturally good trash talkers. Jorge Masvidal has been a naturally good trash talker for all these years. And now everybody's catching up to him, but it's kind of late. Like the machine should have got behind him before that. It's always late, man. It's never on time. But the thing that you will see about the UFC is those three letters and Dana White. Mm. And I feel like they've always put that ahead of their fighters. That's crazy. I also, I think my favorite thing about the UFC and, you know, you covering the zone and I'm not the biggest boxing expert or biggest boxing fan. I'm kind of a casual where right. when it's a big fight, Canelo fights, even this kid, Ryan Garcia, I've become a big fan of his yeah. also. And why is it that the UFC, a dude like Masvidal, a dude like Cowboy could be these big draws and they have seven, eight, nine, ten losses, but then... People are saying Deontay Wilder's exposed and he's washed now because he lost one fight to a dude who's undefeated also. Let's add that. And he's not trash either. So what's the what's the what is it with, with, with boxing and the UFC where it's that record is so important, 30 and 0, 40 and 0, undefeated. And then once you get a loss or two, it's like, damn, you're not a draw no more. Why is that? Floyd Mayweather. It's kind of responsible for this because that undefeated record was so important to him. Mm. And he protected it at all costs. And you can't take nothing away from him because he stayed undefeated. But it created a culture where people was like, once you lose, it's over. And that's not true. Like, Sugar Ray Robinson is the greatest boxer of all time and lost 17 fights. Granted, he fought like 200 times, which is an amazing win percentage. But it's okay to lose, man. And boxing is really – they protect records. I'll give the UFC credit here because they don't give – fighters softballs mm. you know what i'm saying like if you're on the fast track to becoming a champion you're on the fast track they're not going to give you an unranked opponent whereas in boxing deontay wilder became like 32 and 0 fighting nothing but tomato cans granted it was to work on different looks different you know different get your conditioning up and all that so but that that's what i've heard about boxing where if i say i'm 20 and 0 i'm a boxer and um you know, I, I have trouble with southpaws. Yeah. They'll throw me a southpaw. Yeah. I beat him. And then from there, it's like, well, this guy, you know, you're, you're kind of susceptible to the, the you know, um, uppercut, right? Mm -hmm. A right-handed uppercut. So it's like they'll give me a guy who that's his, like, go-to. He has, like, 25 knockouts with that. Yeah. So I, I do understand that why with boxing. My whole question was, and my whole issue with it is, well, you answered it for me with Mayweather. Yeah. And now it's that fans. I think about they turn it, yeah. on them, man. Like, yeah. fans turn quick on yeah. boxing because they're conditioned to think that you need to remain undefeated. Even though Muhammad Ali lost fights, the greatest fighters of all time have lost fights. Like, being undefeated against a bunch of tomato cans is not the same as being like having, being like 30 and 3, but you fought like all the greatest fighters of all time. UFC fans, they don't give a shit. It's just like, I want a good fight. And if you're undefeated, like, that's what makes John Jones, like, the premier athlete. Yeah. Dude has never lost. Yeah. Like, the only thing he's lost to is, like, dick pills and cocaine. That's it. Yeah. Other word. than that, the man has beat everybody they put in front of him. And there's more ways to lose than UFC. And I think UFC fans, MMA fans in general, are a little bit smarter because they respect a guy who comes and loses a fight against a top-tier opponent. And they won't call him washed up because they know he'll be back. Randy Couture was a champion, and his record was pedestrian as hell. He was mm -hmm. like 14 and 8. 
but he still became champion because they don't waste time trying to build guys' records and make them look like they're amazing. Oh, I'm 50-0 and 0 and I fought a bunch of bums. Then you lose, the fans will turn on you. UFC doesn't really do that. Do you think a lot of that has to do with the UFC being the, the mothership? Like, everything in the UFC is... My big issue with boxing is that there's so many different belts, right? <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you think, like, with the UFC is... All right, I know who the 155-pound champ is. I know Steve is the heavyweight champ. But with boxing, there's like five, six different heavyweight champs. Do you think the fact that the UFC has everything under one umbrella helps the UFC? Absolutely. Because, look, biggest fight in boxing history is Mayweather-Pacquiao, right? What mm-hmm. title do they fight for? Nobody fucking knows. Yeah. Nobody, like, deadass. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. And it, because belts, there's, there's like sanctioning bodies and commissions and all this stuff that gets in the way of there being one champion. And it confuses people. Because if you go ask somebody who the heavyweight champion of the world is, they'll say Tyson Fury because he just beat Deontay Wilder. But Anthony Joshua's got the other three belts. Right. And then people are like, what do you mean he's got the other three belts? Whereas in the UFC, one champ. Yeah. There may be an interim champ here and there. And even then, people get pissed off when there's an interim title involved. It's like, whoa, I thought he was a champ. It's really simple. It's like straight up and down, no special effects. It's like, that guy's the best. He's a champ. Boxing doesn't do that. And it confuses people because you can't answer the question which makes it weird because like people go well Canelo's the champ right yeah he's like a three division champ but what but he's not the un, like they don't know the difference between like lineal champ undisputed and unified nobody knows that shit I know it because this is what I do yeah. for a living but I ain't got time to explain that to people all the time about who the champ is and nobody wants to sit there and listen to that shit it's weird so how'd you how'd you get into all this stuff man man so long story short I started off in the music industry okay um I used to be an editor of a site called HipHopDX.com, and then I went to BET, and then I worked for Jay-Z for his website, Life and Times. And in, in between all this, I was always a boxing and MMA and pro wrestling fan. So at every website that I wrote at, like when I used to write for The Source, and I'm dating myself, when I used to write for The Source, I would do pieces on like Rashad Evans mm. and like how much he loved Mob Deep and Immortal Technique. Or I, do, I worked for MTV, and I, would do, I interviewed Daniel Bryan for MTV. So eventually it was like, not to say I'm out of music, but I got tired of interviewing little so-and-so and and like, I was like, I'm over this shit. And I was like, I just kind of transitioned into boxing and MMA. So I started writing for like, MMA, I did like Share Dog, Fight News. I did, uh, damn, a site called Champions. I've done, I mean, you name it, I've pretty much written for them. And um, I just love the sport, man. It's the one thing that, like, I couldn't see myself being, like, 60 years old and still covering music, but I could see myself being, like, 60 years old still covering sports. Sports never really ages out. So that's, like, the gist of it, man. Like, after, after BET, I worked, like, when I met Jay-Z, he walked in the room and he said, oh, you're the boxing guy. Like, he knew I covered music, but mm. he loved boxing. He was just like, oh, you're the boxing guy. I'm going to let you cover boxing. And I covered boxing, but I also did, like, I produced a documentary on Kendrick Lamar. I produced, like, Macklemore. But then I produced documentaries on, like, Adrian Broner and Triple G and stuff like that. So that's, that's the short of it, man. And I just kind of, this is, like, my world now. So it's, like, I'm still a hip-hop kid at heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still write for, like, Billboard. I still write for, like, Genius on the side occasionally. And, like, other websites. I still do music stuff. But, like, combat sports and, like, pro wrestling, that's, like, my passion. I just love this shit. What was it that got you into MMA and, and boxing? Boxing was, I grew up in New York. Um, oh, yeah. We didn't even mention that. You, yeah. 
Queens kid, right? Far Rockaway. Far Rock. So it's like I grew up in Rockaway, and um, I was raised. My grandmother's a full-blooded Italian white woman, right? And she raised me. So every weekend they go watch boxing, and Ray Boom Boom Mancini was like their favorite fighter. So as a kid, I just always watched him fight, and then I saw Mike Tyson, and I was like, that's it. Like, this is all I got to see, and then Roy Jones and so on and so forth. So that's how I got introduced to that. MMA, actually, to be honest, everything's a byproduct of pro wrestling. Oh, yeah. Because being in, when I lived in New York, like, also every weekend, my grandmother would take me, like, to the garden or somebody else and watch yeah, pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Like, house shows and whatnot. All the house shows. I used to be at all that. The Bushwhackers licked my head when I was a kid. <laughs> like, and then when I moved to Vegas, I used to go, like, they had a spot called The Showboat where they had AWA wrestling. So I saw, like, as a, when I was a little kid, I saw, like, Shawn Michaels and, like, Mr. Perfect when he was still Kerr Henning. So pro wrestling was, like, the, the embodiment of everything. So I used to just collect tapes. I used to go to like a video store and just rent mad tapes. And one day, I was like, what, the, what is this UFC shit? And I rented it. And I was like, yo, this shit is wild. Like these dudes, are, like, <laughs> dudes got one boxing glove on. You had like a fat dude and a skinny yeah. dude and he kicked them in the face. I just like seeing people get beat up. It's like something real cynical about me, but pro wrestlers started it all. So that's how I like fell in love with all this stuff. And everywhere I've gone, in my career, like as a writer and as an editor and doing TV and music and all this stuff, it's always been about like combat sports. I just love like one-on-one. You don't rely on nobody else but yourself. And in hip-hop, when you're battling, it's like unless you got a ghost writer, it's you and that dude kicking mm-hmm. bars. So it's like that has been the basis of everything I do. It's like it's on you and just you. Damn, that's dope. Man, I always, I always say that uh, everything is wrestling. And the one thing that got with me was – I always, I always heard about the UFC, but I didn't really know exactly what it was until Ken Shamrock came over to mm-hmm. WWE. Now yeah, I'm going yeah. back to the Attitude Era, yeah, the best yeah. era of all time. And then from there, I tell the story all the time, dude. I'm in Cancun for spring break. It's my freshman year of college. It's 2010, and that weekend was Dan Hardy and GSP. Oh, yeah, I remember that fight. And uh, my buddy George, he was like balls to the wall ufc like he knew everybody was following it and i always compared the ufc then and even now like some mma fans are a little crazy but how it's that rock and roll band you used to see like in the garage and then they became the beatles kind of thing so people it's like a cult-like following with the with the ufc but he was like bro whatever we do saturday night we got to go to this bar we got to go watch the fight we got to go watch i'm like all right man whatever i'll go with you because none of my it was like six of us the other guys were like yo i'm in cancun i'm not trying to go to a bar to watch uh right something i'm not right. even a fan of so i was like all right man i'll go with you why not yo we walk in and the place is packed packed out people are going ape shit. beers are going all over when someone got knocked out yep. and then i see gsp comes out with his gi his trademark look before like Reebok came in and kind of messed it all mess up. it all up, and then dude, just from there, I was like, yo, this shit. I'm looking around. I spent the whole like the intros of it. I'm looking around. I'm like, yo, these fucking people are crazy, yeah. losing their mind. And then from then, I'm not gonna front. From then, I would watch every pay per view. Mm. And then once fight night became more, and then my buddy Jared Gordon, who I was telling you about, he fights in the UFC. And then from then on, I'm like, I've been glued for for about four years now. I'm like, I don't miss a prelims. I don't miss early prelims. I don't. I got ESPN Plus and all that. So, but but with the with the UFC, man, I think it's what you said about the fighting. You look at like football. You look at the NBA. Even like hockey, it's kind of been taken out of the sport. Like you can't fight. You can't be physical anymore. Right. So I think there's something like the the animals in us that when we see fighting, it's like yo, I'm gonna gravitate to that. I mean, I used to make this comparison like. 
Because my thing is I've always tried to bridge the gap between, like, like the cultures, like hip-hop culture and, like, combat sports. And when you was a kid and you used to be in the schoolyard, like, if you're, you're in the schoolyard, like, there's kids playing basketball, it's like, cool, football over here, cool, soccer, cool, baseball, cool. Two kids are fighting. Everybody's going to go to the fight. I knew you were going to set that up. Yeah, no, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. If there's a fight, no matter what's happening, you drop the basketball, you drop that baseball bat, you go watch the fight. It is the one thing that we're unified. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a universal language. Like, the rules that may get a little complex, but a knockout's a knockout. Mm-hmm. And when you see the guy like Francis Ngannou put somebody down, like, when he knocked out Alistair Overeem, that shit yeah. was a meme. Like, everybody lit up about that. It's a universal language that you don't have to be, like, a diehard to understand. Like, the basics are two guys go in, somebody's going to win. And they, one of us probably going to get put on their ass. It's simple. So, it's like, I've always fell in love with that aspect of it. And then, like, when I always say everything is pro wrestling, I used, like, ECW, right? ECW is like the underground culture of pro yep. wrestling. For me, it was like underground hip-hop. It was like, these are the new guys that are coming up. But they got to go through this system to get there. And this system is not like the WWE. It's not all polished. It's dirty. It's filthy. And that's how the UFC used to be. Or, like, I was a big fan of, like, WEC. Like, it was dirty. It was filthy. It was small. But, man, it, some of the best talent comes out of that shit. And pressure makes diamonds. And, and I think... Over the years, we've seen, like, in pro wrestling, all the indie guys that are yep. coming up. Like, you look at Adam Cole. And I remember I used to go to PWG in Reseda and seeing Adam Cole. And, like, it'd be hot as shit. It'd be, like, 100 people in that place. But, yo, they, they're killing each other out there. Now watching them in Undisputed there, I'm like, man, he earned that shit. It feels good when you follow, like, your favorite artists, your favorite fighters, and then they get big. And then you're like, man, I remember watching you yeah. when you wasn't making anything. It's a good feeling. I, I like covering that, and I like telling those stories about those guys who work so hard to get to where they are, and now it's like now they're on the map, and it's like I like to tell – I'm a storyteller by nature. I just like to tell their stories of how they get there because everybody's path is different. And being an African-American dude, I feel like people have gotten really lazy with storytelling when it comes to like minority fighters. I fought my way out of poverty. No, not every black fighter or Mexican fighter or spent like not everybody was poor when they wanted to fight. Some people just like fucking people up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I like to tell those stories like, how did you get here? What are you fighting for? Because it's, it takes a special person to get punched in the face for a living. I couldn't do it. Like, I've been hit in the face a few times. It's like, ah, I'm, I'm yeah, good. Yeah, this ain't for me, dog. This, I'm this good. ain't it. <laughs> I'd rather talk about you doing it, but I, for me, I can't do it, man. So I respect it. I love the game, and I'll be here for a long ass time doing it. You mentioned something about like minority fighters, and you you got some heat for some people. And I've seen you <laughs> go back and forth with fans on social media. Yeah. Man, what's up with people on social media and just like the culture? I was telling you before we started recording about. I was at a bar. I was watching the Wilder Fury fight, and this lady couldn't believe that I wanted Wilder to win. Because he's black? Because he's black. That's yeah. Wild. And clearly I'm white. And I was like, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> like, I've, that, the, I guess it's because to me, that never has crossed my mind. That's right. never been something. Like, I never looked at someone. I was like, oh, I'm going to root for him because he's white. It's yeah. like, no, that's never been my thing. I also think, like, coming from New York City, it's one of the most diverse places in the world. Yeah. I played football, 45 kids on the roster, 37 of them were African American. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, that never crossed my mind, but man, it's crazy how the internet works and just uh, some people and you going back and forth with some fans. Man, I mean, for those who don't know, like, you know, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, uh, Fox, it was like, hey, Andreas, can you ask the first question at this press conference? I was like, sure. They were beefing or whatever on stage and like, 
I had talked to Deontay the day before, and it wasn't like he had never mentioned this. And, you know, I told him we were talking about the significance of fighting during Black History Month. Because it's very rare that you get to make history during Black History Month. Right. And for them, for those two to fight in one of the biggest heavyweight fights since probably Tyson Lennox Lewis was a moment. So I asked Deontay, what does it feel like fighting, you know, during Black History Month? And people went crazy and said I was race baiting. And then Tyson Fury jumped in and was like, it's not about race. Like, dog, I'm not even talking to you. Like, why are you getting so sensitive about this? And I, I, I know why. There's a whole backstory behind it. But I looked at my, my Twitter, and I had 8,000 mentions. It was like one of those things where you said, like, 20-plus, and I just couldn't stop scrolling, and then it just crashed. And people were like, I was race-baiting and all these crazy things. And um, what you tend to find out is that, um, like, Twitter's a curated experience. So it's like you follow who you want to follow. Mm. And that means you block out all the bullshit that you don't want to deal right. with, right? But when things go viral, it means it's gone beyond that. And what you find out is that people don't really think like you. Where you think like, oh, man, I don't, you know, that's all, all of these people are my friends. Like, I don't, I don't, like my favorite fighter might be Dan Hardy or whoever the fuck. You find out other people aren't like that. And yeah. they're not accepting of other cultures and other races and all that stuff. Or they're... You know, like you, like when Trump won the election, it kind of told America, it's like, yo, it's not as liberal as you'd like to think it is. There are pockets of America that are crazy racist. Yeah. And there are people that just don't get it. And now everybody's got a microphone on Twitter and they can voice their opinions and find a bunch of idiots who agree with them. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten out of control, man. Like we're in an ultra sensitive society where you can't really say shit without people getting upset. And when it comes to race, people really lose their minds. Like, I, when Obama w- became president, I was working at BT, and I was like, we're excited. We're at BT. What do you think? Like, we went, we went with Q-Tip to a bar, party, and I started looking at social media, and people was like, this monkey won president. I was like, yo, what? Like, <laughs> people really feel this way. But now it's like now they got a platform to do it. Of course it's trolls, but what you find out is like people don't think like you. People aren't as welcoming of other races, cultures, religions as you are. And it's an eye opener. And it's like, it's the reason why Trump got elected because the world isn't as cushy and safe as we like to think it is. People hate people. Yeah, I've, al- I've always said some of the, the, the worst the worst thing that could happen to someone nowadays is like a Facebook group starting against them. Oh, man. <laughs> and then and then you get the outrage police. I'm like, yo, outrage police needs to be in the discussion for being some of the worst people out there. Like the pile-on culture. Like, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's out of control, man. And, you know, I, I've started to have my share fair moments when, you know, building something I've been building now for four and a half years. And whether it's like, you know, a, a bad take you might have. Right. Right. It's like, damn, I, I accepted that I was wrong. You know, like I, I, I'm someone that if, if I make a bad call, I like to own it. I like to make a clown out of myself. Right. But man, it's just it's just crazy. It's crazy out there, man. And it's like you said, we're, we're in such a sensitive time where you got to you don't know what to say anymore. Sometimes Dog, there's another one like because people remember this was bringing it up after the Wilder thing. So Colby Covington was getting ready to fight Kamaru Usman. Yeah. And I wrote it tweeted that I was like what Colby Coven is doing is very dangerous I was like because he's playing a role in this MAGA thing is like very it's volatile and he's playing with fire and also we, I hate to cut you off yeah. many people that I know that I've interacted with him say that this is completely gimmick yeah it's gimmick but back to that, what you said about wrestling exactly everything is pro wrestling but it's like when I saw him doing it and he kept working the angle and I'm like this is not the one to really play with. Like, you could do a gimmick as a goofball. You could do a, any kind of gimmick, but a gimmick about, like, politics, where you have a politician that a lot of people think is racist, and then you start saying things like, you know, make America great again. It's like, when the fuck was that? When we were slaves? Like, 
I was like, He's, this is very dangerous. And when Kamaru knocked him out, like the entire time, I was like, you know, I'm not stating my opinion on these two individuals. When Kamaru knocked him out, I was like, listen, man, I'm putting my blackness comes first right now. <laughs> I'm happy because like, dog, this this train of thought is dangerous. I'm glad he knocked him out. And then people were like, you racist. son of And they were calling me racist for saying that. And I like when I see stuff like that, I'm like, man, like you it's just unbelievable. The like how intolerant people are of anything. And like. Again, like, I've been told, like, hey, monkey, go back to Africa. Like, I don't retweet that stuff because it's crazy. My timeline is, like, filled with racist people. And people are like, why are you always go get into it with the trolls? Like, somebody can't help myself. It's just who I am. But it's the things that people say behind the keyboard are absolutely nuts. And it's not even a hot take. It's just racism or bigotry or just pure hatred for people. I'm fine. Like, if I say something that was wrong, if I pick, like, I pick an Adesanya to win the fight and he gets knocked out, I can own that. But if it's like something about a Black History Month question, you mad about that? Dog, I don't know what to do. But I'm going to still keep doing me. Fuck it. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, how many times did De La Hoya used to fight on, like, uh, Cinco de Mayo exactly. and, and Canelo also? Like, there wasn't, Who cares? Yeah. You ask them that question, it's not a big deal. Dog, this country still has a big problem with African. We're like minorities in general, but with African Americans, man, this country still has a big problem. Certain pockets of America are just intolerant. They just hate it. I want to wrap up with some wrestling, man, because I know you're a big wrestling oh, fan yeah. like I am. Who's uh, Who gets you excited nowadays, man, in wrestling? I know you mentioned Adam Cole, so I won't let you bring him up again, but who's who's the one that gets you going? And I like to call them, I like to call them channel stoppers, where say you're a random and you're just flipping. Now that they're on Fox also, yeah. SmackDown's on Fox, you're just skimming through the channels and you see someone on your screen. Who's, who's a guy or a girl that captures your attention and you're also just a big fan of? I mean, for me, it sucks. Like, I, I go outside of WWE a lot, but I like Will Ospreay in New Japan. Yeah, he's I dope. Like New, Will Ospreay, single Takagi is amazing. Um, I was always big on Ricochet, but I feel like Vince has buried him. I yeah, like it's been rough, dude. Um, Gargano's been phenomenal. Keith Lee. Keith Lee. God damn. You see a guy that big doing things like that? Um, amazing. I've always been big on AJ Styles. Uh, when the women... I'm a huge Oscar Mark. Mm. I've always been a huge Oscar Mark, and I feel like they've done it dirty. Even though people are like, well, she wins most of her matches. I don't give a shit. I like to like she dragged so many people in NXT. It was just hard to believe that she could lose to Carmella. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I feel like you. yeah, Io Shirai when she turned heel, I loved when she turned heel. Like there's there's some like the WWE has some great talent. I feel like they've mismanaged a lot of this stuff. Like to be honest, I think it's like the worst WrestleMania build ever. Yeah, I was. I'm not really that excited for it. How could you be? They've slapped a bunch of matches together with four weeks out. Like, once upon a time, you remember, Attitude Era, Royal Rumble happens, and that's, like, setting all the pieces yeah. in place. And you got, like, three months to build a WrestleMania, so feuds are, like, playing out. You don't have, like, Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia getting in the way. You don't have Elimination Chamber, which, like, who gives a shit? Like, there's not even, none of the titles being defended there. Now it's, like... They just booked Goldberg and uh, Roman Reigns four weeks out. There's no heat. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit. The Fiend and John Cena. There's no heat. It's, it's there's like it's cool, but wouldn't it be better if it was for the title and Cena was like trying to break the record against the, the un, indestructible Fiend? Yeah, that's not happening. What are the New Day doing for WrestleMania? I don't know. The the most the best feud they have going is Edge and um, 
Orton. Right, yeah, Randy Orton, yeah. Because it's got some actual storytelling, but everything else has been slapped together. Like, it's all, it's also care. it's also my favorite Randy Orton right now. I love oh, the this smug, is the, best. The, the low life. The, yeah. yeah, that's the, the best. piece of shit Randy Orton. Yeah, that's the best just, one. That's the best one. He's always been, fan when he's channeled in there, like babyface Randy Orton sucks. Like super heel Randy Orton sucks, but the one who's just like despicable and like wanted to punch Stephanie McMahon, that's the Randy Orton I like. And he's the best storyteller when it comes to that. But going back to WrestleMania, it's like, Everything else, there's nothing I'm like, I'm not hyped about anything that's happening. And we still haven't had like, a, even Shayna Baszler and uh, Becky Lynch, which we know is going to happen, she bit her like a vampire. Like, I was supposed to get hype off of that? Yeah, that was more cringy and yeah. creepy than anything. That's what I'm saying. Where's the juice? Like, where's the, like, the emotional investment to make me want to watch WrestleMania? I don't care about Goldberg and Roman Reigns. He's 53 goddamn years yeah. old. Yeah, and also it seems like they got a lot of older heads like Goldberg. Like, I mean, even Cena now. He's, I wouldn't say older head, but like part-timers. They're they not full-time. guy. you can't put anybody over like this. You're not making stars. Drew McIntyre is probably the only guy, strangely enough, with Drew Mac. It's a much better heel than a baby face. Yeah. It's not really clicking with, like, him and Lesnar, I'm like, okay, this is cool, because you see Drew standing next to Brock, and you're like, yeah, it's this believable. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But then watching Drew as a baby face, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, they dropped the ball with somebody like Braun Strowman. What is he doing? Uh, fighting Shinsuke Nakamura and slamming on my baby grand pianos? Man, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not into it. Yo, man. the whole uh, uh, one, two, three, or three, two, one Claymore yeah, I, I can't stand that thing. I it's think that's ridiculous. one of my, my so, least favorite things in wrestling over the last couple of years. Come on, like, the best thing about the Claymore is it came out of nowhere. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Now it's like we got to get the crowd into it. This like a lot of babyface shit is lame. Like straight up, the, what made Austin and Austin and the Rock the Rock was they was still babyfaces, but they still remained who they were. Now Drew's playing to an audience, and that's that's whack. Like heel Daniel Bryan worked because he just didn't give a fuck anymore, but he was still like the vegan douchebag type. But we just love Daniel Bryan because his ass can wrestle. Ricochet, the neighborhood superhero, that shit was corny. It's so lame. Like a lot of the best guys, just let them be them. Stop writing for them. Yeah. That's that's the biggest issue. Stop writing and for I, these guys. I also feel like with them having competition now in AEW, they they should have been doing more, right? Because now there's an alternative so. for you. Yeah, that's what I would like to think. That's what I would expect. But that's not the case either. Nah, They're I mean, in a weird spot, man. I really do think that. They got to figure these things out because even though, like, I, I watch – like, Wednesday nights are fantastic. Watching NXT and AEW, I love it. And people, like, compare ratings. I don't give a shit. As long as both shows are on, yeah. I watch them both. But Raw and SmackDown have not been good. And you would think with AEW doing what they're doing, like, Moxley being the champion and Jericho and they're building, like, guys in the mid-card like Darby Allin, Sammy Guevara, you would think the WWE would take a step back and say, man, we just need to make a better product. But they're not. They're still on cruise control. And – when the Monday Night Wars happened, they allowed WCW to kind of sneak up on them and then take them over. I'm not saying that necessarily is going to happen here because WWE is a juggernaut. But come on, man. You got to pay attention. The competition is busting your ass. It's a much more enjoyable show on, on AEW than it is on Raw SmackDown right now. It's nuts. Last thing I want to ask you as we wrap up here, man, I've kept you longer than yeah, we agreed to, but, you know, we're flowing. Uh, who, who's the one person you would want to have a chance to sit down and do an interview with that you haven't yet? Oh man, that person is is not alive. That would be Muhammad Ali. Oh, yes. yeah. Just because I mean, there's been a billion documentaries on him. A man who gave up his career for three years, came back, became world champion. Like when it, it became bigger than him, bigger than boxing, and then the, the motherfucker could fight on top of that. But like, I love to just pick his brain, man. Just sit down and talk to him because he. I mean, that's 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 been my idol 
for my whole life. And that's that's one of the reasons why boxing became so big to me. Um, but if there was somebody alive that was just like to chop it up with, it was Mike Tyson. Mm. Um, because you saw that clip that went out yes, around them? Dude, yes. chills, bro. It's chills. And a lot of people were saying like, oh, he's a convicted this. But I was like, the, the battle, the, the fact that he spent so much energy suppressing who he really is, and he's willing to admit it, like he studied this stuff. Like Mike is not an idiot. Like some people, he's not the village idiot, but he's older now and he realizes he's not who he once was and it tears him apart sometimes. But what he said is like, that person comes out, hell's coming with him. Yo, man, that's real. Yeah. And that's also like mental health stuff. That's right. very like important to discuss. It's like that man is battling demons every single day and he's become a better man and better father and everything else. But man, he's been through, seeing a lot of shit. I love to just sit down and top it up with him. No cameras, no microphones. Just have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I feel like that would be one hell of a conversation, man. Just have him just tell you stories. Just ask him anything and have him just like open up in that way. Because yeah. dude, when he said that, when he started, I'm gonna make sure I have that clip up on the on the Twitter when you guys hear this. But you notice that one guy starts to like giggle. Yeah, and he's and like, Michael's it's not like, funny. Michael's like, yo, it's not funny. And you saw that guy kind of like. I mean, there's certain things that you watch in that video. It's like Mike is sweating. Yeah. You know, he's he's choked up. He's getting ready to quiet ride. Like he is, this is tearing him apart. And for me, it makes me worry about a man like that. People like, he should just get therapy. Therapy doesn't necessarily help you fix things. It helps you learn how to deal with them. And I'm sure Mike Tyson's had therapy to some degree. It'd be foolish to think that Mike Tyson's never had, you know, any type of counseling or therapy. But you see a man go through that type of stuff. It's like you, you really want to just like pat him on the back and be like, I, I appreciate you bearing your soul like this because other people wouldn't do that. And he owns his mistakes. That's one thing Mike has, has done is like he says, that's why I don't ever think he raped anybody and that's like drifting into wild territory. But I was like, he's owned like every other mistake he's ever made in his mm. life. It, it, that's the one he's just like, nah, I didn't do that shit. But everything else, he's just like, yeah, I was fucked up. Yeah, I bit his ear. I was pissed off. Like, he owns it. Yeah. It's crazy. But like his books are amazing. But yeah, he, he's a study. Like when Mike when Mike is gone, I don't think we'll really appreciate what we had with Mike Tyson. Like just a study in an individual battling his own demons. Unbelievable. Man, for me it'd be Giannis Adetokounmpo. Really? Yeah, I'm Greek. Okay. Like my nationality, well, that makes so, sense. I, so I speak it and uh I think it'd be dope. One of my one of my dream things that I want to do, man, is I want to sit down and interview him and do it in English and in Greek. Mm-hmm. Just because I know it'd make my pops like super proud and happy, <laughs> kind of like an homage to him. But also, man, uh, I think LeBron. Oh, yeah, I've never Le- sat down with LeBron. LeBron would be something to, dude. I don't know where you fall on the MJ LeBron debate. I just think it's crazy that he's even in that discussion, right? Or it's even brought up. But I think for man, so many people have had, like, you know, he didn't have his father around, single right. mother. The fact that he was the man from 14 and the worst thing he's done was he did an event to say where he was going to go. Yeah, the decision. Right? Unbelievably decision. terrible idea. But yes. Yeah, but that's so and, – and like, look, some of the shit that some people have done, way worse than that. Of course. So the fact that that's the one black eye on his career, like, it's crazy. And, and he's the first mega star of social media. Yeah. Like, he came up in the era where – Everything. God forbid this dude miss a free throw in the fourth quarter. It's a wrap for him for two days till the next game. Yeah, yeah. He, and I mean, he's had to own every moment of his life. Like he's been under the microscope. I think the craziest thing about LeBron, like I'm a I'm a Jordan guy, and the only reason I'm a Jordan guy because I think Jordan's like not the greatest individual, but I think like the six and O six MVPs, 
it means something. Mm. The man just never crumbled. And LeBron's in a different kind of category because Jordan never had this kind of longevity. This man's been doing this for 17. Like, he's crushing it yeah. still. Like, watching him in a Laker uniform is crazy because you couldn't have told me, like, 04 that he'd still be here chucking three-pointers from the logo. Like, ama- unbelievable talent. But then all the social stuff that he's done. Like, he made his mistakes. Like, the whole China situation that happened years ago. He didn't. He learned how to educate himself on world issues. Like, that's an amazing – he's another one. When he's gone, I don't think we'll really appreciate what we had LeBron James. I don't think – he's a true specimen. Yeah, and think about all these outlets that he's created for the athlete to go get his post-playing career, like, uninterrupted. Yeah. The sneaker deals, all these endorsements. It's like, yo, you got to get yours now, but set yourself up for the future also. Like uh, Durant now does the boardroom, and he has his own investments. I, I interview with some company that uh, LeBron, um, sorry, that Durant is a stockholder of, right. and that was one of the uh, the main pitch points that they gave to us to try to make us appeal to them. So it was like, yo, all these athletes now, and I think LeBron is the godfather of that. He truly is, man. He's changed. I mean, he's truly changed the game. There's there's few athletes that'll be like him. There's few athletes that'll last as long as him. I mean, dude. He's never had, like, a true debilitating injury. He had his back issues before, but that man stays in shape. Like, between him and, like, Floyd Mayweather, I've never seen guys, like, stay in shape like that all the time. Durability got to be in your resume when you're talking about greatness. Yeah. Like, who's been here and who does – like, even Jordan, like, hurt himself his second year and was out for the entire year. But he, he never played as long as LeBron did. LeBron – and he's still clocking minutes. LeBron is going to be here longer than a lot of us. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? In general. There are guys who come in the league – played, retired before LeBron, like after LeBron James got drafted. It's crazy. That, it ain't nobody like him. So I can respect that. I, would, I, I could see that having that conversation would be amazing. Yo, Andreas, you're the man. You're the truth. It's getting dark out right now. The Maybe. light's over here at the MGM where we're at. My guy, thank you so much, man, for your time. I know you've been busy today, but uh, you were super open to coming on the show. I appreciate it. The floor is yours. Plug away. Anything you're working on, any pieces, you're a man of many jobs, many talents. <laughs> the floor is yours. I mean, just follow me on Twitter, at Andreas Hale, on Instagram. I don't really post there. I just post stories occasionally. Um, and my work, I'm the senior editor of The Zone and Sport News. You can find my work there. And, uh, yeah, if you follow me on social media, I'm sure you'll find something. I'm hosting, like, panels on diversity. You'll, you'll see me somewhere. So I'm around. But, yeah, appreciate you for having me, man. What's the name of the podcast? Oh, damn, I almost forgot about that. The Corner Podcast on iTunes, uh, Blue Wire Network. Um. Yeah, combat sports with a little bit of hip hop in there. So we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling shows. And then we always talk. Me and my co-host Kel Dance. We end up talking about some wild shit that we've been through. So it's always like a different perspective of combat sports. So tend to do that. So yeah, please subscribe. Give us a five star rating. And we're all in this together, man. We're just trying to build. All right, as we wind down the podcast, once again, quick shout out to my guy Andreas for hopping on. Couldn't be more welcoming to the show and to me while I was in Vegas. And I got to give a shout out to my girl, Heidi Fang, from the Las Vegas Review Journal. She's a co-host of the RJ Ringside Podcast. She had me there over the weekend. And again, just couldn't be more welcoming to me. She brought me to the the weigh-ins, the official weigh-ins, and it was super cool. And then she was doing some stuff, and she got to interview Alexander Volkanovsky, the UFC featherweight champion, the 145 champion. And then 
the James Krause came into. And if you guys follow me on the Instagram, you guys saw that I put up clips of both of them. That was during the RJ Ringside podcast. I was just sitting in on it and got to meet Heidi. And she was just awesome. She let me be on her show too, which is really, really cool. And yeah, I just definitely wanted to show them love. But I also want to mention something that happened over the weekend. And I want to get it out there before... It picks up more momentum because, you know, I like to be a little bit early on things and then I can boast about it and brag about it and uh, pat myself on the back. But the Lakers. Oh, man, the Lakers. So they beat the Bucks and the Clippers in back-to-back games over the weekend. And they're 49-13. and 13. They're four games back of the Bucks as far as uh, wins go. And LeBron James has absolutely destroyed the gap between him and Giannis when it comes to the MVP award. Just two weeks ago, Giannis Adetokounmpo, as high as a 10-to-1 favorite, meaning you had to put $1,000 to win $100 on him to win the MVP. Just last week, the odds closed at minus $500, $500 to win $100. After what LeBron James did over this weekend, in which he took down two of the top four teams in the league, thir- 36 minutes Against the Bucks Friday night. I was actually in Vegas for that. 12 of 21 shooting. 8 rebounds. 8 assists. 37 points. And then on Sunday, 28 points. 7 and 9. Guys, he's been in the league for 17 years. He shouldn't be doing this. Sustained excellence needs to be a part of his resume. And it is his best claim to the throne that many, 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 many believe Michael Jordan has. The resume speaks for itself. 16-time All-Star, three-time NBA champion, four-time MVP. I think it's the uh, right amount of time that he's been the MVP four times. The only other case I think you could make for him is the year D. Rose won it. Besides that, like he shouldn't have nine MVPs. I don't believe that, well, he was the, he's the MVP every year. It's like, nah, dude. That shit matters if you're taking it serious on a Tuesday against the Magic. Like, my bad. It just does. In the regular season. We're not talking about the postseason. But regular season MVPs, that shit matters to me. It matters to a lot of people. Like, it's a, it's it's the Saturday matinee, and you're playing at 12 o'clock, or you're playing at 3 p.m., and you're playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, yeah, I want you to show up. That shit matters. That's why you're the regular season MVP. No one's saying that he hasn't been the best player for 15 years now in the NBA, but that's just how it is. But, man, what they've been doing is crazy. They are the favorite to win the finals. It's them in Milwaukee, and then it's the Clippers, and then the odds drop significantly. But LeBron this year, 25, almost eight rebounds, and leads the NBA in assists. And I just needed to piggyback off how the interview ended with Andrea saying how he would be my dream interview. This is why, man. This dude has just been so dominant. 15-time All-NBA. He's dropping 30 a game almost uh, on a lot of nights. And scoring isn't how you think about LeBron James. What he's doing in year 17 is super special. And I want to acknowledge that. And right now, man, I don't know how you'd be able to pick against the Lakers because of how well he's playing. And 
because they have that second star that I think is more reliable than what Milwaukee has and what the Clippers have. I love Paul George. You guys know that. If you've been listening to the show for the while, for a while, last year I had him as my MVP pick. He was my well at the All Star break last year. He had my MVP vote, and then the last like two weeks of the season, he kind of really, really fell off a cliff, and then Giannis just took that over. But man, for every forty-seven point performance that Paul George has, he has a nine-point performance. And I just don't know if I could trust anyone else on the Clippers to show me something. And I just think what LeBron's doing right now, he's motivated. He's rejuvenated. I think it's going to be hard to dethrone the Lakers. And I know I'm not saying much because they are the favorite. And also, we might watch the playoffs and they might either sweep Memphis if they play Memphis right now, which just seems to be the case the Grizzlies are 32 and 32. There's about what is that, an 18 games left, 17 games left, roughly. And I don't know if the Pelicans will be able to catch them, but I can see the Lakers maybe winning 4-0, but every game is close or 4-1. Like the Grizzlies will give them a sweat. Where you know, right now the Magic are. The eight seed, it might be the Magic or the Nets, and Milwaukee's going to be probably a 15-point favorite in every single game, if not a 20-point favorite in Milwaukee. Now, we do need to see what's good with Giannis's knee. He's going to miss a couple of games. But the MVP award is a lot closer than people think. Right now, Giannis is a 2-1 to favorite, minus 200. $200 wins you $100, but LeBron James is plus 180. And the MVP award, as I mentioned in the past, you know how I feel about it. Should have been James Harden. But what happened? Social media happened, and it became, and it has become the storybook award, the storytelling award, to use a ref- wrestling reference. And everyone would mention, yo, 17 years in the league, LeBron James should have won more MVPs. He's been the best player in the league for 15 plus years. He's the best player every year. Who would you want in a game set? All that shit is going to start popping up again. And I just think that it becomes a movement. These awards become a movement. So same shit that happened in football too. Lamar Jackson, right? He was the MVP from like week one. And that shit just ran with it. Oh, you said he couldn't throw, man. And then what what happens? He lights it up through the air and on the ground. Historical season. And bam, he's the MVP. I think it's just something to keep your eye on. I think uh, LeBron James... The way he's playing right now, and if the Lakers can maybe surpass the Bucks in win total, just watch out. They're nine and one in their last ten games. Milwaukee seven and three, and it just seems like the tides are turning in this MVP race. So, as far as I go, it's at the Lamb Show on all social media outlets. At Veterans Minimum is the handle for the show if you want to watch that opening segment with andreas it's up right now on the youtube channel youtube.com slash veterans minimum we are doing and introducing a new series for the youtube channel it's called vm road trip first installment las vegas baby so we're gonna have something popping up over the next couple of weeks uh probably by the end of the week Check out the Patreon. There's a lot of bonus content on there. You can get some of the episodes early. There's about four episodes that you can get early. And there's also a 
Patreon only exclusive, the Vegas trip. Where if you listen to it, you'll understand why I'm not going to post it. I'll leave it at that, and I'll catch you guys next time. I just like the sound. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.